Happy Christmas, as they say across the pond. Let's talk Christmas here for a few minutes. It's so good, isn't it, just to be able to, I hope, I hope you feel this at this moment. It's good to pause, just to kind of take a breath uh, in the midst of the holiday season, in the midst of the busyness and the franticness and the plotting and the plans and all of that. The, um, it's good. It's good just to kind of stop and take take a breath. I was even thinking about this just um, I guess it was a few days ago. Best gifts, you know, that I ever received, as best as I can recall, at, at Christmas, uh, thinking back as a kid. And then I, I couldn't help myself. I did a search on the Internet for, through the ages, you know, year by year by year, what were the best gifts, you know, the most popular things that were, were given. So during the 60s, I don't remember exactly what the years were, but you had the Easy Bake Oven. That was one of the hot ones, right? And pardon the pun, but... Um, <laughs> quite unintentional. Um, the, the next year, I think that was 66, 67, I think was the first G.I. Joe. It's funny how those things are all still, still around today. Now you move into the 70s, and it was the 70s. So you had, I think it was 1975, the Pet Rock. Uh, that was a, a hot one uh, that, that year. 1977, uh, the big thing was uh, the Star Wars action figures, lame as they were uh, at the time. Uh, that was the big one. You move on into the 80s, and now it's the Rubik's Cube and the Beanie Babies. You move into the 90s, and it's the Tickle Me Elmo and the Furby. I don't really, I don't, still don't understand what that was. Uh, various Lego sets. I mean, think about how many of these things still are around today. Uh, maybe they just, the colors, size, uh, all that changes just a little bit. Now, of course, it's game consoles, ad infinitum, and whatever the hottest smartphone is and the all the accessories that come with that stuff. Um, but you start thinking about uh, what's the best thing and, and what you want and what you're waiting for, and you don't have to be this high. You can be this high. You can very easily lose sight of what truly is the best gift at Christmas the gift of the gifts of the gifts of the gifts, uh, beneath it all and over and around it all, it's very easy to, to lose sight of that. And I want to talk about that. Um, not to shame anybody. That's not my point at all. I just want to, together, to, to see Jesus lifted up as the gift of the gifts this evening. Uh, and, and we could just be quiet together, heart stilled together uh, on that theme. Can we pray for just a moment before we go any further? Uh, Lord Jesus, um, we are glad, glad for this moment, glad for this time, glad for this opportunity just to pause, just to be still uh, here together, family, friends, no few CPC folks are on the road or settled in, in various places across the country, and, and no few family members and friends are here with us uh, visiting and such this week, and we're glad, glad for that and the opportunities that that presents. And we're glad for just an opportunity here to think about the gift of the gifts, and we ask that you would meet us where we are. There is no question in my mind whatsoever that every single person in this room stands at a different place before you because we are unique, and we ask that you would please in your mercy meet us at every unique place and speak to our hearts uh, where where. Um, shaking needs to be, take place, and may that be. It may, may it, where it needs to be comfort and feeling your arms around us 
May it be that. Whatever it is that we need, beyond even what we think we need, we pray that you would grant that to us in increasing measure. We pray in your name. Amen. So the gifts and the, and the gift giving, the traditions surrounding the gift giving, right? I mean, it happens in all kinds of different ways in all kinds of different places. You go to a Christmas party, it might be the uh, white elephant means by which the gifts are given and, and all of that. It could be that maybe there was the secret Santa thing, and so that's the way. Now, and then Christmas morning, maybe it's just this massacre of wrapping paper, right? It's like, you know, somebody says, go, and you know, it's just paper carnage at that point. Or maybe if you prefer something a little sane, you take turns, more sane. I'm not saying it's sane, just more sane. Um, and, and you take turns. There's all kinds of different ways to go about that, and that's fine. I'm not going to argue the point of which is better or right or anything like that. This we can agree on, whatever your preference is as far as the traditions of how you give and receive the gifts. This much, any historian worth his or her salt will tell you, all of that, you boil it down to where it comes from. It's a text that was read just a few moments ago, an historical text from Matthew 2, the Magi, and the giving of the gifts, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh to Jesus. And different scholars have debated, and there's been a lot of different ideas through the years as to why those three things and what they all meant. Let me just make it very simple. Here's what's going on there with why they're giving what they're giving. These are royal figures giving the best they could possibly give to the royal figure of all, the king of the kings, the lord of the lords. They're giving the very best that they possibly could to him because these men, however many that there were, recognize that there before them was the gift of the gifts given by God himself to mankind, a gift beyond all valuing, beyond all measuring, beyond all estimation, truly a gift of the gift of the gifts. And Christmas is exactly that. It brings the gift beyond all valuing and needs to be opened. That gift, beyond all valuing, all estimating, needs to be opened. Let's talk about that just for a few minutes, if, if we can. What, what, what would that mean? Well, first, what do we mean when we say it's, it's, it's the gift beyond all valuing? I want to explore that at two levels. First, at a global historical level, Jesus clearly is the gift of all gifts. And then coming down to where we live at the personal individual level, okay? So this is how he's the gift of all the gifts, beyond all valuing. Now, actually, I had one idea as to how to go with this. I actually am pulling out my smartphone right now. That's right, I am. I'm not texting anybody. It was a news feed that came into my, uh, my phone this morning, and I could not help myself in terms of sharing this with you. So thinking about it in terms of the Jesus as the gift beyond all valuing at the global historical level, okay? So going all the way back across all peoples, all cultures, all times. In his book, The Triumph of Christianity, historian Rodney Stark, whose work I would highly commend to you, Rodney Stark, describes the Roman world of that first Christmas Eve the gods, Stark writes, were everywhere and thought to be undependable. Apart from some magical powers and perhaps the gift of immortality, there was little to distinguish them from their human worshipers. They ate, 
drank, loved, envied, fornicated, cheated, lied, and otherwise set morally unedifying examples. And not surprisingly, they didn't care one bit about those who worshiped them. All they wanted was to be propitiated. In other words, Christ entered into a culture in which the gods of the age were not worthy of worship. And Roman society was just as oppressive and undependable as its gods. For most people, life in the empire cities could be fairly described, to borrow a phrase from philosopher Thomas Hobbes, as nasty, poor, solitary, brutish, and short. This was the world into which Christianity was born. And still Christianity triumphed, not least of which because it offered an alternative to the oppression of Roman society. It offered another way than the dead end of paganism, a way so compelling that it outweighed the obvious social disadvantages of being identified as a Christian. As Stark writes, in the midst of the squalor, misery, illness, and anonymity of ancient cities, Christianity offered an island of mercy and security. That was the world Jesus entered, and that was what he brought with that first Christmas. The global historical sense, just in the, the big picture, going 30,000 feet up, you can see the difference Christmas makes and has made to the world, which is hardly surprising because that's what any great event in the flow of time and space does. The greater the event, the more the, the effect. You take a, take a little pebble and drop it into your, your pond, and okay, little ripples. You take a meteor, and it's going to leave quite an impact. And that's Christmas, the meteor, and the impact that it has left on the whole world. On the whole world. So tr truly, even, especially, even we could start here, this global historical level, Jesus, the coming of the Christ, this is the gift of the gifts that needs to be open. But let's come down to now to where we live, the second part. The individual personal level, because it only happens at a historical global level, right? If it's happening down at the individual personal level. That's where it has to begin. And it's where it began and still runs still today. And no few of us in this room can attest to this. And so I, I just want to, if I may, just run with, with two very basic human needs that Christmas, the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Christ, Christianity, the gospel, meets. And it really helps to explain something, at least even just for the few minutes we have this evening, as to how it's had that kind of an impact and why it still has that kind of an impact upon us still today. The first is the, our struggles with loneliness. And you think in terms of the, you don't have to read, but like, you know, two hits in your internet search on that question, that struggle in our culture today. We are so lonely. We're so connected. We have so many friends. And we have an epidemic of loneliness. And I'm not making that up. I mean, any sociologist, anthropologist, psychologist, whether it's salt today, is writing about that. They question the struggle that we have with loneliness. Is anyone there? Is anyone there? Christmas answers that question. 
What, did, what happened over the fields of Bethlehem that night? You have angels exploding, right? Outside the, the fields of Bethlehem into the, the, the sky there before the shepherds. Angels are showing up. I mean, we have spiritualists today wrestling with the question, is anyone there? Is anyone there? We have spiritualists asking that question. We have scientists, good, smart scientists with telescopes beaming out into the heavens asking the question, is anyone there? Is anyone there? Is it just us? Is this all that there is? And the angels show up that night, and you, you got to know the answers. Yes. And there's more to this world and more to reality than what we can measure and quantify and see. Clearly, yes. And then there's their message. We'll get to that in a minute. Their message. Love has come down. Love has come down in the most triumphant, beautiful, astonishing way. Is anyone there? Is it just us? Does anyone understand? Have you ever asked that question? Have you, ever, have you struggled that with it? Even, even maybe today, this week, this season. Is anyone there? Does anyone understand? Does anyone get me in the pain of my heart? Does any, is anyone there? And does anyone know? Does anyone care? Does anyone get me and what I'm struggling with? And the answer to that question from Christmas is emphatically yes. Yes. How does Jesus come? How does Jesus come? Consider the sign. What did the angels say? You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Okay, the sign, the idea behind that sign and the logistics of that is, lest you miss it, you're going to find the firstborn offspring of this young couple in a feed trough. Now, that's a little unusual. So lest you miss it, ask around in this little town, and somebody will point you in the right direction, and you'll find it, and that's him. That's the sign. It's going to be hard to miss. And the meaning of all that is from the very beginning, Jesus had it hard. Jesus is his beginning in this world, in the incarnation. was hard and humbling, humiliating. He knows. You ask the question, does anyone understand? Does anyone get me? Does anyone, is there anyone that I can speak to? Anyone understand my heart in any way at all? And the answer is clearly yes. He knows the worst of what any of us in this room could ever go through, and far worse than that, and far, far worse than that. Is anyone there? Does anyone understand? Yes, Jesus, the Emmanuel, love come down. God is with us, and he knows. That's the first great ache, the first longing. The second is this, the second of the two. Not just loneliness, but our longing is for peace. I'm not going to read any headlines to illustrate my point. You've read them. You know them. I would advise you at your family gatherings over the next few days, do not talk politics. It's just, I'm just going to say that much. hundred years from now, none of that's going to matter anyway. Um, peace. We have a terrible way 
of lifting ourselves up and putting others down. We have overinflated estimates of ourselves, and that tends towards conflict. I have to be right, you have to be wrong. Whatever the argument is, whatever the issue is, beyond politics, beyond just, just talking preferences and what I want, what you want, and what it has the way it needs to be, because I'm right, and I have to be right. Well, what did the angels say? Again, verse 10 of Luke 2. Fear not, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, a great joy that will be for all the people. We have a way of, again, of lifting ourselves up and putting others down, of basically all but asking the question, what are they doing here? This person of that persuasion, that position, that life's goal, that life in, that way they feel about this and this and this and how they've done this and how they've lived and choices that they've made. And the angels come with this pronouncement of good news, of great joy. Joy, this well of deep gladness, roots that cannot be touched. For who? All people. All people. Worth noting who that message originally comes to. It's a social, societal outcast, the shepherds. This message comes to all people. So the person in, comes to my mind and your mind that you think is the least likely and the least worthy of anything. This is good news, a great joy to all people. To all people. It cuts so deeply at the very roots of our conflict. There's another way in which we could talk about this, and the angels, the message here addresses this as well. Not just the way we put others down, but the way that we lift ourselves up. Aren't I worthy of more? I don't ask to be a god, mind you, but a little more props, a little more attention. I mean, I'm not just thinking of me. I mean, it's, it's the attitude we all have. A little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, a little bit more peace, a little bit more quiet, a little bit more comfort, a little bit more relaxation, a little bit more fulfillment in this way and that way. Don't I deserve a little bit more? Well, okay. Again, what did the angels tell us? It's rather humbling and rather leveling. Um, what was God's plan? What was God's plan for mankind? Verses 11 and 12. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I, we have heard this read so many times, we're missing it. What God's plan is to save mankind. It's not some great triumphal army marching in. It's not this big thing that made the Jerusalem Gazette the next day. It's not anything that got noticed by anyone. It's a baby. God's means of showing forth his great strength and great love is a baby. A baby. I mean, what? You can't ask for anything more helpless. 
more dependent. Jesus, within moments of his arriving in this earth, needs to be changed, needs to be fed, needs to be held, kept warm. The Son of God kept warm, fed and changed. Weakness. God showing his great strength, his great love through weakness. My point being, his ways are not exactly like ours. In fact, when you really think about it, it's our ways that got us into this mess in the first place. So it's certainly not going to be through our ways that he's going to fix it. Through a baby. Through a baby. This is his plan. And all to his praise, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I don't have an asterisk in my Bible, and I don't think you do in yours. Glory to God in the highest and a little bit to Richard. We're filling your name. It's all his. It's, it's, it's all his, all glory, all praise, because it's all of his grace. Those with whom he is pleased, that's, that's shorthand for his sovereign grace, his pleasure. There's no, no deserving whatsoever, whatsoever of his favor. None whatsoever. It just is. It just simply is. Is. Now, the, again, the reason I bring this up and how all this connects to our longings for peace, because when you look at how God does this, his plan, all to his praise for all people, this is extraordinarily humbling, incredibly leveling. And you think in terms of, well, how does that bridge over here to our longings for peace in my life, you know, my immediate circles, and then the broader out just to the world around me? Well, as has been wisely, very wisely and winsomely said, humble people tend to get along. And the gospel is the best means towards that. It's the only means towards that. It stands out among all others. All are just as we talked about the global historical perspective as to its enduring power through the ages across all cultures and lands and peoples, transforming societies and individuals within societies, wherever it's gone, the reason is is because it's heaven sent. Just as the Christ of Christmas is heaven sent. This is a, the Christmas. Christmas, again, is this gift beyond all measure, all fathoming, all valuing, needing to be open. Now, what does it mean to open it? Give me two minutes. What does it mean to open this? What are you going to do? I'm going to assume you're not just getting coal and switches tomorrow morning. So I'm going out on a limb, okay? Especially for me. Um, grace abounding, more than coals and switches. So you, someone hands you something. What do you do with it? You take it, you examine it, you turn it. You might shake it, be careful. But you're examining it, and you unwrap it. Whatever it is, it's covering it. Whatever it is, it's in the way. You're, you're, you're dealing with it. You're getting to it, and finally you receive it. 
And with a little bit of time, hopefully not too much, you thank the person who gave it to you. So I intend a lot of metaphors and images in there, but let me just explain that. And it's simply this. Consider these events that we've read of tonight in the accounts, these, these sound, true, historical accounts from Matthew and Luke. Consider them. Weigh them. What they're saying and what they mean. And ask yourself this question. Could this be the answer? Could this be really what the world needs? Could this actually be it? And me too. And me too. My friends, I say this with all humility and honesty. I plead with you. It is. It is. Open it. Open it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming and for changing everything, everyone, and everywhere that you have gone. Thank you that you have been, are, and will be on the move. And we pray that you would do that very thing within our own cold, hard, stubborn hearts. Whether we're hearing all this for the umpteenth time or maybe for the first. We pray these things in your name. Amen.